Welcome to episode 56 of Mansi, a podcast about magic and how it has influenced our culture. In each set of episodes, we cover a different Mansi or method of magic. I'm R.J. Walker. I'm a spoken word poet and writer. With me is my co-host, L. I'm L. Alder, a professional psychic and solitary eclectic witch. Die. Okay. As in dice. Oh. Just... Just one of them that's a die. A singular die. But technically, our language has evolved to the point where dice could mean a singular I die. I use dice for like a singular. So. To refer to one. Dice. Dice. Dice magic. That's what we're talking about. Would you believe that dice were created for the purposes of magic before they were used in games? I feel like... Like, I could see that. I mean, it's a little backwards from how things tend, like, things tend to be a game that get turned into magic. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. So we're talking, like, like ancient Mesopotamia, dawn of society. People were throwing bones and stones to see which side it would land on to determine the will of the gods. The implementation, implementation of random chances, technically called cleromancy. A very broad description for divination methods, which uh, involve a diviner or a device that does something completely random or has a completely – initiates something that causes a completely unpredictable result. So casting uh, mm -hmm. things on a table is a form of claromancy because mm -hmm. you're looking at where they will land. And uh, due to the laws of classical mechanics, uh, there are so many minute f physics variables that you could not predict where they would land. Mm -hmm. That is cleromancy. Basically, classical mechanics, but magic. Okay. Um, <laughs> the results are interpreted as the will of the gods, or it indicates what path fate has placed you on. Basically, fate put the dice in this position. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, I am on this path. Okay. Eventually, we would mathematically explain this phenomenon, and we would use the word probability. <laughs> However, when you believe your life is predetermined by fate, or you are at the whim of some fickle deity, probability can really guide your decisions very easily. It's like, uh, oh, there's no such thing as random chance, only fate. Yeah. So... It, that means random chance is the truth. Randomness is always true, regardless of what happens. I would say that some people feel that way, that that feels often how fate works, right? Yeah, because I mean, like me, nothing is random when it's predetermined, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I... Wow, it's a little early for these deep, really, like, philosophical questions. It is questions. 1 p.m. Man, it's so early, though. <laughs> like, bro, man, I don't know. Uh, in fact, most early divination met methods uh, were purely mechanical probability. And many of the divination methods we cover on the show contain some form of probability. Mm -hmm. Like the shuffling tarot of cards. tarot cards. Mm -hmm. There are, you know... So many different combinations uh, of playing cards that it is 
very difficult to predict what the hand will be after a shuffle. Well, and I would say, like, the idea of, like, fate versus, like, random chance. I would say that the, in my experience, having random chance or chaos be a ruler actually creates more opportunities for divine things to come through because there's no telling what would show up. And so if you're continuously looking for something specific, like in my perspective, there is a way for the fates to enter or whatever you call them, your guides for the divinity to intercede in that. And so like the random chances make more opportunities for communication with deities, in my opinion. With these (laughs) mechanical uh, divination methods, Mm -hmm. Uh, we have things like dice, you know, like cards. You don't necessarily need a diviner because the device is the mm-hmm. diviner. You don't need an oracle because they are the oracle. In fact, oracle itself can be interpreted to mean a little prayer or a request for divine guidance rather than exclusively being an office that someone holds. Anybody could roll the dice and see what fate has in store. L, what is your relationship with dice? Um, I am not sure that I would say that we have one. I no. know them. I've used them. You've used them. I've used them for divination. Um, not ever in a professional reading. I did have at one point, probably somewhere from it was from the store, this like mat that you would lay out, and then you had dice that all represented the different major arcana. And then there's, like, one of the dice that you would throw that was the suits of the cards, like, that kind of stuff. But it it's just easier to use the cards, in my opinion. Every time I've used dice for divination, I'm like, there's literally an easier way to do this. So I feel like a lot of people have used dice outside of a gaming context for divination. If you think about a magic eight ball. Yeah, it's it's a dice. It's literally just a die suspended in fluid. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you shake it, which is rolling the die, and then you look and see what rises in the fluid. Uh, So a magic eight ball would be a form of astragalomancy. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also went to the arcade and we won a divination die, a foam uh, decider dice. Ask again later. (laughs) Uh, so we, we might be supplementing with rolls of our decider dice yeah. uh, throughout the show. Uh, That's a good idea. I'll, yeah. I'll retrieve it. Oh, my God. At the arcade, they had a no button. And I think that we need to have the nut and the no button like on the episode. So it's either a nut or a no. I, I I was. We can't hit the nut button anymore because my cat. We trained him to come to the nut button. We trained him, him to treats. come to the nut button. Yeah. <laughs> we trained him to come to the nut button, and now every time we hit it, he shows up, and we have to give him Well, treats. so we forgot. Like, we had done that when we first moved in, and I had gotten the nut button because of Let's Get Haunted. Like, my partner was like, I got you a present, and it was the nut button, and it was great. And we were, like, fucking around. We're like, how funny would it be to train the cat to come when you hit the nut button? So we did that. We forgot about it. We probably have not touched the nut button in, like... I don't know, at least eight months, if not a year. And we had friends over, and Spectre was, like, sitting in one of our friends' laps getting pets. And RJ found the nut button and hit it. And Spectre, like, jumped up and, like, ran off of their lap to be like, treat time. <laughs> so, for me, I've always I, – I've had a bit of a relationship with dice. Uh, L is retrieving the decider die. I got it. it rolled on the floor. Yeah. Um my dad's game at the casino was always craps. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, L's is blackjack. My dad's was craps. 
It's one of the oldest dice games in existence. We're going to talk about where it comes from. It was called Hazard in the UK for quite a time. Hmm. Uh, and then it got brought to New Orleans, where it was called Frog, because of the positions people would take, because they would play on the ground. So they would, like, oh. squat yeah. uh, and play. Uh, and then people looked like they were taking a crap, so they called it craps. Oh. Uh, that's actually not true. Um, but Sounds like it. Sounds like it's true, but it's not. Uh, it actually got got changed to crabs. Okay. With a B because people would waddle around like a crab to go get the dice. They wouldn't stand <laughs> yeah. all the way up. Right. Right. They would just stay in their little squats. Uh, <laughs> and then because of the uh, various languages uh, and phonetic differences in New Orleans, it got changed to craps with a P. Hmm. Uh, I remember my dad built himself a faux craps table in the basement so oh, he really? could practice throwing the dice so it would land with some kind of consistency. He would practice all the trick throws and he had like a book of like how to always roll like a seven. Like he, Did got, it work? he got really into it. I mean, he never became a high roller. So yeah, uh, I think it probably was probably a good thing. It was a fun hobby for him, but I don't think it actually turned into anything. Yeah. Uh, my other experience with dice is Dungeons and Dragons, of course. Mm-hmm. I was introduced to the game in high school and immediately I took to it. Much of the game is decided by dice rolls and comparing that to the stats of your character. Typically, I end up being the dungeon master who is the one who writes or creates the scenario and runs the scenario for the players. In this episode, we'll be discussing the mythical implications of D&D along with the history of dice, gaming, and divination. This is our episode on astragalomancy, divination with dice. All right, now before we get into the history of dice, Elle has some accountability relating to fact. I do. Yeah, this is an accountability moment. We have a fact check. For me, um, I definitely need to, like, send out an apology to the friend of the show, Marianne, who was like, Elle just doesn't know what the fuck taffeta is, which, you know, is true, actually. Uh, I thought it was tool. (coughs) That was from our Who Put Bella in the Witch Elm section of um, Dendromancy. It was in the Dendromancy, yeah, when we talked about it. And, like, very specifically, I'm not sure why I thought that taffeta was, like, tool, but it is not. Tool is tool, and taffeta is taffeta. And so... Oops. (laughs) Oops. <laughs> so that was that. That's the accountability I need to take because I was incorrect. So the next time you need to stuff somebody into an elm tree stump, <laughs> make sure you're using taffeta and not tool. Well, so taffeta would probably work better if you're trying to suffocate someone because tool has a bunch of holes in it. So you can breathe around it. See, this is this is why we have to be accountable on the show because what if somebody accidentally <laughs> used the wrong tool? <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, I thought this was going to work better, and it didn't. Yeah. All right. There you go. Thank you for that. Dice. <laughs> First off, we're going to talk about the history of dice. Like, part one is all is going to be all about the history of dice. Um, these fucking things <sighs> are the oldest gaming device we know of. Okay. So old that we actually don't know how old. <laughs> They go into prehistory. 
Mm. Like before we were writing shit down, we had dice. The oldest recorded use probably being uh, an Egyptian game called Senate. Uh, we have a painting of the game from like 2600 BC. Uh, we don't have a copy of the game that's that old. We just know that it was around at that time because we have a painting of it. Uh, there's another game called the Royal Game of Ur, which was played in ancient Mesopotamia with the oldest board we have dating to around 2600 BC. Uh, so I'm guessing the Royal Game of Ur is actually older, uh, but Senate feels like it's older. I mean, I think it's because, not to like go on a big thing about Egyptians, but like it is hard, the way, the lens through which we look at like Egyptian culture makes it feel like it was like, way before like the Greek empires and like they were happening at the same time. <laughs> like, and this is yeah. just using dice for gaming that we know of. Right. Uh, <laughs> so if we think about like way before that. Yeah. So yeah. so we don't know which which is actually older. Uh, we just know that we knew the royal game of Ur was going on around 2600 BC and so was Senate. Hmm. Uh, in fact, the Royal Game of Ur is the oldest complete board game in human possession right now. Whoa, that's cool. In fact, the game is actually still played today. It's a predecessor to modern-day backgammon. Oh, okay. Which, like, crazy. We're still playing this shit. <laughs> this shit. Well, listen, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Uh, now, backgammon's great. I do love backgammon. I'm going to take a minute to talk about Senate and just ancient board games in general. These games were connected to the gods because dice and random chance were connected to the gods. We know how old Senate is just from writings and depictions of it. There's a painting of the game in Queen Nefertari's tomb, for example. Mm. The game all is also mentioned in a number of religious writings, uh, including the Book of the Dead. Senate boards themselves have also been found with religious iconography included on them. Neighboring cultures also played Senate. In fact, the people of Cyprus made their game boards out of stone, so they've lasted longer mm. uh, than other versions of the game. The most complete Senate boards we have are from Cyprus. Uh, interestingly, Senate also has a narrative, <laughs> which is fascinating that they built a narrative into this game that early. The game was representative of the soul's journey to the afterlife. However, we don't actually know the rules for Senate. We don't know how it was played. Hmm. Oh, really? We, we just have – we know that there's board. We know that there's pieces. We know that it's uh, a metaphor and there's this narrative of journeying to the afterlife. But we don't know the rules. Hmm. <laughs> Something that is important to note about the way games work. The study of games is called ludology. This involves how games are made, how they're played, how people react to them, why people play games, and how rules are put together. Part of the reason we don't know the exact rules for Senate was because there were many different mm -hmm. rule sets for the game. Games worked, and they still work, like folklore. If you've ever heard someone talk about house rules when it comes to certain games, that's what I'm talking about. We will naturally gravitate toward modifying games to make them more fun for ourselves. Yeah. In D&D, uh, &D, we call it the rule of cool. Uh, if it's fun, 
then do it because the point is to have fun. Okay. Right? Like, yeah. who cares what the fucking manual says? If it's fun, then do it. Um, <laughs> and that's a house rule. Uh, okay. Uh, but that's that's how games always work. They worked by the rule of cool. Uh, and that means that different people would play the game wildly different. Uh, we- I was playing literally phase 10 yesterday with like in the hospital when we were visiting my friend. And they were like, oh, the house rules are when you play a skip, you get to name who skipped. And they don't ever take, like, track of, like, the points and have, like, other things like that. And I was like, this is not how we play Phase 10. <laughs> I am reminded of that in this moment. Yeah. So uh, tell people who are sticklers for rules that we have uh, millennia of history behind uh, the concept of house rules. Uh, <laughs> and you can play it just the game. Is what it is. The, the, it's literally Nothing just is real. a shared contract between all players that the rules that are obeyed are set before the game is played. Yep. That's it. <laughs> we don't have the rules for Senate because everyone had their own rules for Senate. Uh, and Everybody that's, knew. That's why there are so many dice games and so many card games. It's the same board game pieces, but there are so many different games and rules for those pieces, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Uh, we didn't have the same concept of intellectual property back then like we do now. Games were culturally evolving things, alive, like folk stories are. Nobody really wrote down the rules because they were passed through an oral history and everyone had their own way to play. Yeah. Which I think is uh, fascinating when it comes to, like, when you think about game design. When you look at people who are, like, modifying Skyrim for the millionth time, right? They're adding their own house rules to a game with a strict set of parameters. Yeah. Hmm. Of course, we know that dice existed before these games because of the existence of astragali, or knuckle bones, used for divination by the same cultures that would go on to create these games, and others just utilizing other kinds of astragali. Not all of them were bones. We're like these sheep knuckle bones that we have. Uh, Thank we'll you talk for about clarifying those. that they were sheep knuckle bones. I was like, these are knuckle bones? We'll talk about those in, 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 a, in a minute. But, yeah, they weren't always bones. Uh, We have some. Uh, They're polished. I got them ethically sourced from sheep that uh, they would have otherwise just been, like, crushed into bone meal Mm -hmm. um, or tossed out. No, we went to the... We went out to the fields. Yeah, and I we found. Some I, sheep. I just found a sheep, and I sharpened we my just took obsidian their blade, and uh, we committed them to Hades and ethically sourced, you know, as ethically as we're going to get. Yeah. Really, I mean, these are bleach sanitized, polished, specifically to be bought used from someone on Etsy div- for divination. divination. Yeah. I did. I think I. I just think if I had to be the hardcore witch that was out like harvesting my own knuckle bones. I don't think I, I wouldn't be a witch. <laughs> no, these, these are from sheep farmers. Yeah, um. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course. I just, I was joking. It was a joke. I was having fun. That was, that was funny. And were also, funny. they're sheep farmers, I think, in France. Uh, I yeah, they were think. in, like, Europe. Yeah, they were yeah. right here. So. You know what? I want to give them my money. That's good. Yeah, you know what? They could use it. Um, so, yeah, just got them off of Etsy. Uh, so... 
these belonged to a sheep, um, and they're part of the like foot mechanism, I believe. Um, but yeah, these were used as the Where, dice. Like, yeah, for do games. they like? Because sheep have hooves, right? Yeah. So they like sit on top of their foot, like to hold, uh-huh. like the hoof. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, I believe there is. They're kind of big. In, in the astragali chart that I sent you for mm-hmm. divination, it shows what part of the sheep uh, mm-hmm. they come from. Is like an X-ray. Uh, while more game-like dice would eventually be created for Senate and the Royal Game of Ur. Uh, astragali would be would continue to be used for divination. So these specific bones were the earliest among the earliest forms of dice. It's like after you killed the sheep, you take the bones, uh, and then you'd use it for games and magic, <laughs> basically. Okay. Um, of course, this is mostly theory. The oldest astragali confirmed for divination were found in 3100 BC. That's a long time ago. In Scotland. 5,000 years ago. Yeah. Uh, Actually showing how multicultural these bones are as a divination practice. It's crazy how many cultures actually do the exact same thing with these exact same bones. Oh, are you ready? Yeah. I have an answer about this. Um... Specifically, oh wait, um, the bone specifically used in Greco-Roman context is the astragalus bone of sheep, goats, and pigs, known as the astragali in Greek and astragali in Latin. Astragali are the hind legs of the animal near the hawk, and are sometimes called ankle bones or knuckle bones. Imitation astragali were often used in ancient times, commonly made of wood, glass, bronze, and ivory. Yeah. So we have the the real shit. We have not, the real shit. Not even Greeks were using. We, I mean, I think it's a little easier to I, get them now, the, but the, they were. <laughs> but honestly, it's they they wanted it to be fancy. Like they wanted it to feel fancy. Of course. So, yeah. So they would literally cast their own like basically bones out of glass and bronze. Yeah, and, that's cool. And carve them out of wood. Yeah, because there's a specific like the way that these bones look is very important to doing. The astragalomancy. Yeah. Um, but this was this was our earliest dice. And you can see the parts where the bone juts out. There's mm-hmm. like a number of pokes, and that determines what number you get when you roll it. Yeah, I have an invocation that I'm going to say before I cast them, too. Yes, there's an invocation cool. uh, mm-hmm. that, that comes with the sheet that I got. Um, a game often played with astragali was actually a game of skill with a slight luck component. In fact, the game is still played today, and it's called Knuckle Bones. <laughs> today, though, we play with jacks, and we use the metal jacks instead of bones. Hmm. If you've ever seen a jack, it's like a metal uh, star sp- spike. Yeah, it looks like a, like a landmine almost. Yeah, like a non-lethal <clears throat> one. But yeah, like a three-dimensional X uh, of sorts. Um, What's interesting about this game is that it was found in various cultures around the world. Ancient Mediterranean, Europe, East Asia, Central Asia, North Africa, Mesoamerica, and the Pacific Islands all played this game without ever really contacting each other. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) throw a thing and see what happens, right? I guess if you're bored and you've got nothing to do and you find this, you find a bone. 
Now, while the oldest astragali we know were used for divination were from 3100 BC, the oldest astragali ever found were from 5000 BC. So 7,000 years ago. Yeah. Wow. But these were unmarked, making us unsure if they were used for gaming. They were just in a collection. So we weren't sure if they were for gaming, if they were divination, if they were used as an ornament or jewelry. Uh, but, yeah, that's how old using this specific bone is. Like, <laughs> in context for my brain of, like, how long ago 7,000 years ago was and, like, how wild it is to find something from 7,000 years ago, people say that Christ was alive 2,000 years ago. And we can't, like, we're like, not nah, could could have been, right? Like, we're kind of like, I don't know. That'd be wild. Should we go find the chalice, though? Like, you know what I mean? Like, to find something 7,000 years ago. So almost four times as long ago as, like, Christ was alive when people are, like, looking for the Holy Grail and we found dice <laughs> that existed. Like, that's yeah. pretty, like, to think about that in context is wild. So one theory is that using these bones for divination uh, dates back to the birth of humanity in prehistory. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's everywhere. Because like fucking cradle of humanity, this was created. And as humans spread out and interacted with and other homo sapien cultures, beings, yeah. yeah, then that was just carried along with them as like the oldest fucking story ever told. The, um, well, that's the, the, <laughs> the original boredom breaker was throwing some yeah. dice. Another theory is that these were all independently developed. Like they all kind of had the same idea okay. around the same time. And I think there's more evidence for the latter as other cultures substitute certain rocks, seashells, beans uh, in place of bones uh, when they when they do astragalomancy or play games like knuckle bones. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't always the bones. Some cultures would just use other things. Mm -hmm. um, but it's essentially the same it's game. It's dice, yeah. It's, it's the same thing. It's the same game. The general way that knuckle bones worked is that you would cast them, toss up a stone, or in modern terms, you'd bounce About bounce a ball, ball yeah. and pick up as many as you can while the stone or ball is in the air. If you fail to catch the ball, you don't get to keep any points. Of course, that's just one way to play. There's a million ways to play knuckle bones. There's a Chinese version called pickup pebbles. Mm -hmm. Pebbles or bones are arranged in a symmetrical manner. You toss a stone in the air and you quickly snatch one pebble from the board before catching the one you threw in the air. If you touch or move more than one pebble or fail to catch the stone you threw in the air, you forfeit your turn. Mm. So that one isn't about picking up as many as possible. It's about being precise and not moving any of the other pieces when you grab one. Mm. Using these natural bone dice for divination varied from culture to culture as well. But the most complete information we have is, once again, from ancient Greece. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They were just really good at writing shit down. With, yeah. With consistency. Here's how it is believed to have worked. At various temple sites, there would be a statue of a deity, a dice rolling table, and possibly some astragali for the public to use. Or I guess you could bring your own. You would pose your question, roll your dice... And the number that came up would inform your decision or the answer. Mm. Certain combinations of numbers were also tied to certain gods that were intervening in your fate. Uh, this will be more relevant later when we talk about gambling. <laughs> gambling. Gambling. Anyway, I'll go through the process of what, how this worked and what the different dice rolls mean. First off, we know all of this because it's literally written on an ancient statue of Hermes that we have. <laughs> 
Hermes mm-hmm. is the messenger of the gods, and that also makes him a god of divination next to Apollo, who is mm-hmm. also a god of divination. Often the two are invoked together when divination is performed, Apollo doing the divining and Hermes giving you the message. But the dice, dice belong to Hermes specifically because they are a message delivery system. Oh, you got mail. Yeah. <laughs> These knuckle bones also aren't one-to-one with the cuboid six-sided die that we're used to using either. Uh, if you notice, uh, the top and bottom are round. <laughs> it will not land on the top or Yeah, or so bottom. there's only four options, and there are very specific names for them that I have. Yeah, uh, so... The numbers assigned to them feel a bit strange. The curved small side is called the chain. It counts for one point. The wide convex side is called the belly. This counts for four points. The wide concave side is called the back. It counts for three points. The flat small S shape on the side uh, counts for six points. Okay. There are only four readable sides. So it's the top and bottom around. That means that the that the number two and the number five are skipped. Why? Because they are. Because they are. <laughs> I don't know. I think it has to do with the number of like pokey points on the bone uh, that you can count, but I'm not sure. Uh, I I don't know. The Greeks did it that way. A Greek historian would know. Fortunately. We have a list of 55 different interpretations of the numbers from that statue I'm kind of, of excited. I want to throw it. We'll be using this list when we do Astrogalomancy at the end of the episode. I kind of want to do Astrogalomancy for myself. Yeah? I want to do a reading for me. I want to see how it's going to go. I mean, we should probably mark um, what the sides are with the I think it's pretty easy to tell, really. Yeah, like, I was looking at the sheet because I, like, cast one, and I just kind of wanted to see. I cast a four on the belly. Yeah, like, it's easy to tell which ones are which, and they have pictures in here because it's the specific kind of bone they use, so there's pictures on the thing, so we can see them. Now, I am not sure if they rolled them one at a time or all together. I was going to do – I was just going to, like, kind of roll it and see what happens. I figure it's one at a time because they're kind of large to roll all together. No, I think you're supposed to roll four dice. I want to try to roll them all at once and see what happens because I wonder if that changes it. There is no singular – like, what happens for one die? You have to roll at least four, I think. You have to roll five. Five, yeah. Yeah. To add them up. Yeah, it seems like a, a bit of a handful, but you could do it. Of course I could do it. Yeah. I can do whatever I want, man. Yeah, I think I can. Like, just double-handed, like, shake and roll. Yeah. We'll see. First, I'll discuss a few of the interpretations that will matter as we explore the history okay. of this. The first is Aphrodite. And that's when you roll a one, a one, a one, a six, and a four. That totals 13, which means Aphrodite. Three chains and a six, and the fifth a four. Sail wherever you wish. You will return full of joy. For you have found and accomplished everything that you ponder in your mind. But pray to Aphrodite and the son of Maya, which is Hermes. And then there is the super Aphrodite roll. Mm. So that's the Aphrodite roll. Like, you, like, go wherever you want. Uh, you'll accomplish everything you set your mind to. Like, carte blanche from the gods to do yeah. whatever you want. Go do it. Go make life happen. Yeah. But then there's super Aphrodite, which is a six, a six, a six, a six, and a three, <laughs> making the total 27. 
heavenly Aphrodite is what this role is called. Four sixes, the three alone, he signifies this to you, the daughter of Uranus, Aphrodite, the mighty mistress of uh, the Erotes, sends a good oracle. She will grant travel to you. You will escape from sickness and vainglorious thoughts. Basically, same thing as Aphrodite, but uh, she is personally showing up to, like, make sure nothing fucks with you as you go to achieve your goal. You will achieve your goal, and also you'll feel great about doing it because nothing will harm you. I want that. Yeah. I want that role. Obviously, getting the Aphrodite is a good role. Yeah. Especially the Heavenly Aphrodite. However... If heavenly Aphro- the heavenly Aphrodite role is dangerously close to two really bad roles. Okay. So if you roll, this is my favorite one, actually. A six, a six, a six, a six, and a four. The total Oof. is 28, and that one is just called damage. <laughs> <laughs> just damage. Damage. That's the damage roll. It's four, the one. <laughs> four sixes, a four. He signifies this. It is impossible to undertake something in vain. Do not in vain toil uselessly, lest you incur damage by pressing on. It is not good to begin traveling nor doing business. Just like, don't do don't anything. Don't do anything. Stay home. Something. Go back to bed. It is gonna, no bones day. Yeah, not, <laughs> not only is what you do going to be useless, but it's going to fucking hurt you if you keep doing it. You damage. Your physical damage. Damage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes, like, before I get in the car with certain people, I feel like I need to roll them and be like, do we have Aphrodite or do we have damage? <laughs> yeah. There's several people that that applies to. And then way. there is, uh, if you roll a six, a six, a six, a six, and a six. So yeah. All sixes. That's a 30. That's called square 30. Hermes. So square Hermes, if all the dice cast together are sixes, do not go wherever you intend to. It will be better for you to stay. I see something hostile to you. Thus wait. Afterwards, it will be possible. And the god will free you from fear and save you from toil. Honestly, I kind of want to add these into like Mu- my cold hard truth readings. <laughs> Much better than damage. Uh, but still, like, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything. Cancel all your plans. Stay home. <laughs> this is cool. I really dig this like divination form. This would be so useful. Just like a little like, you know, like yes or no kind of answer. Right? Yeah. Basically. Uh, but like more in depth of a yes or no. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm really straight up gonna probably put these on my Etsy. The distinction between good rolls and bad rolls would make their way into dice games, uh, because the gods are deciding who wins the game. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, gambling, in particular. If the gods could make decisions for you, they can determine what everyone does with their money, right? (laughs) Hell, they can even run your whole business. Uh, Numerous readings specifically relate to trade. So it was natural to just transition, (laughs) cut out the commodities, and go straight to forking out cash and raking it in. Hmm. I really like this idea because they are treating dice rolls like Candyland. Are you familiar with the philosophical implications of Candyland? I am not. So Candyland is a board game, Mm -hmm. but instead of dice, you draw from a deck of cards. Yes. Uh, That means that the the outcome of the game is already determined because the deck has already been shuffled and placed. Uh, So basically they're like, the gods have already decided that I'm going to get all your money. So I'm just going to roll the dice. Oh, I guess the gods did not decide that. I guess I'm losing money. Okay. Yeah. Turns out 
Divination was the gateway drug for humanity to discover its gambling addiction. <laughs> it got especially bad for the Romans, who were using this exact astragali system for fucking everything. Like, we couldn't even run the government without the birds being consulted, but now people couldn't just live their fucking lives or do anything with their money without consulting the bones. Uh, yeah, since- and people act like it is like that, like divination is like that. Uh, I do. Ancient Romans would straight up draw random lots to determine who would receive property. <laughs> when, like, as Rome acquired what? more and more land, like, the magistrates would just draw lots to see who would get the land because that was the gods deciding who deserved the land. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, it's so hard because. Like, tarot's just shuffling, right? Like, it's just, like, picking whatever card feels feels like the best card. So, like, do I think that you can use these, like, chaotic or, like, RNG, like, random number generator things to, like, as a form of divination that is almost, like, just as good? Like, yes. I don't know. I, I, I It's still too early for the philosophical stuff around that for me. I feel like... <laughs> I like this idea that randomness is considered the most fair thing. And this is a thing well, that, that we carry. Well, and that's kind of what I think, yeah. Right, where it's... Un- in slam, you draw a number from a hat. Yeah, in po- in poetry slam, there is that random element of drawing what You draw whatever number. Whoever gets the one, they drew the one. Like, yeah, you know? And, and in lots of games, I'm almost all games really have mm-hmm. some component of randomness. Like they determine by randomness who plays. Like in Monopoly, you roll the dice. Right. The die it, to see who gets the it's highest. It's so weird that we think that's the most fair, but it's clearly not the best um, uh, system. Well, because it just it removes accountability. It, yeah, it right? removes accountability and bias. Like, yeah. Don't blame me. This is what physics or fate or the gods this have is, decided. This is what you have chosen. It, it settles disputes, right? Because then you don't have anyone real to blame. Yeah. So, just this kind of. So is it the most fair system or is it the most blameless system? I, I mean, I think that, that that is the truth, right? And I think that, like, fairness is often determined by, like, the amount of harm that is caused to someone, not really fairness. Yeah. And, I mean, that's kind of the whole crux of Two-Face's character in mm-hmm. Batman. Is fate that, decides, is it's like not him. Randomness decides. That's the most fair thing is that randomness decides. But you can't make policy like that. So these ancient Romans were just fucking Two-Face with these dice, just rolling dice to make every fucking important decision. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then those Romans, after they'd get this land would just fucking gamble it away again. <laughs> they would bet the land because they were like, well, the gods decided I deserve this land once. They'll decide it again. Oh, oops, they did not. Um, <laughs> yes, that's how it works, for sure. Yeah. Roman soldiers particularly loved rolling dice to bet their wages or to bet recently plundered loot. Uh, like, after every battle, they would rob the fucking people that they slaughtered, uh, and then they would take bets on their piles of loot, and that's how they would divvy it up. Um, Gross. <laughs> it became such a problem that Rome outlawed gambling because it was destroying their, like, economy. <laughs> <laughs> They outlawed it except during holidays, which were celebrations uh, of the gods. Yeah. So, like, if you really want the gods to make decisions for you, the time to do it is the holidays. 
I think that's good. I feel like that's good. Of course, this mostly only applied to plebeians. Yes. The, the wealthy and powerful would, they would continue to gamble despite being the ones who made it illegal in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how, mm-hmm. how it goes. Uh, Ro- Checks out, honestly. If you want to know how Rome is doing right now as an empire, uh, not good. Um, <laughs> the Romans would modify the Greek astragali divination into a high-stakes game where the gods would decide your worth. Rolling one of each number would be a Venus roll. Okay. So if you got one of each... You got a Venus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they would take away one one die too, so it was only you'd throw four. Only four, yeah, because oh. there were four sides. If you got all ones, though, that's called a dog, meaning you're lowly as a dog. So Aphrodite is now one of every. Mo- they they simplified this whole like Greek divination thing, okay, uh, to make the game go faster. Mm. Uh, so you wouldn't have to read like long interpretations or like go down the fucking scroll or like bring a statue of Hermes with you and fucking read it. <laughs> They they simplified it. Um, one emperor kept a dice table in his carriage so that he could gamble on the go mm. and just play as he traveled and practice throwing the dice to see what the gods had to say. And I'm pretty sure it was Emperor Claudius. And the reason I think it's Emperor Claudius is because he famously loved dice. Like he mm-hmm. was dice obsessed. He wrote a book on the subject called The Art of Dice. Just did a quick check uh, about what that background noise is. Apparently, there's a dance thing happening uh, right outside of where we're recording. So we will go as long as we can, and then we might take a break and come back to Astrogalomancy later when their dance rehearsal is over. Uh, Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, Claudius uh, famously loved dice, and he wrote a book on the subject called The Art of Dice. The Art of Dice. The Art of Dice. Unfortunately, we only know that the book existed. It's actually lost time. There are no copies of it that we have found. Uh, But we know he wrote it (laughs) from other writings that mention it. Okay. Uh, This Astragali game would persist as one of the most prevailing dice gambling games in history. The concept is simple. You bet on what numbers the dice will show. There are good rolls and bad rolls. (laughs) Throughout history, this simple concept would evolve. As I mentioned, I started the history of craps at the beginning of this episode. Well, before craps, it was a game called Hazard. Hmm. Uh, As the Romans colonized the British, they brought their dice game with them. Eventually, Christianization would modify the game to be less about the gods and more about fate or numbers. Gambling would continue to be demonized, as we mentioned in our tarot episode, uh, but would persist regardless. Geoffrey Chaucer referred to a dice game in the Canterbury Tales called Hazard, and the rules were the same as the Roman Astragali. Hazard, which simplified the rules even further, like the Romans were like, uh, this is a little much. Let's simplify it to just, you know, we'll take out a die and we'll make it, you know, certain rolls or this, certain mm-hmm. rolls or that. Good, bad. Uh, hazard was like, actually, we're just going to like add up the numbers and we're going to say these are the lucky numbers. Have you ever wondered why certain numbers and craps are the good numbers and certain numbers are the bad one? Because they just decided? Well, gods and then they took the gods out. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. Um, and they would add them together and then you'd get the lucky number. Uh, craps would simplify this even further. Uh, 
as Hazard was brought to New Orleans, they simplified the rules even more so that filthy street people could throw dice on the ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and True. everybody fucking loved it. Uh, New Orleans is where we get modern day craps as well as a lot of our other really great a gambling stuff, games yeah. uh, especially like trick taking games because mm. there's a big connection between gambling implements and magic as we have noted many times I in mean the show. like tarot cards yeah, and exactly. divination because right? tarot is a trick taking game yeah and, tarot tarochi yeah and trick taking games were all over New Orleans and the south yeah brought over by French immigrants uh, and then modified by the people with them yeah um adding their own little flavors. Like I said, games are folklore. Um, so, yeah. That's it for the history of dice. In part two, we're going to cover uh, Dungeons and Dragons and how magic has been attributed to it and misattributed to it as That's a game. That's fair. Uh, so, yeah. L, shall we do some Astragali? Yeah, I think we're just going to read for us. Just gonna read for us. Yeah, I think we're just gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give myself a reading today. All right, and then we will go until the uh, music starts. Um, actually, why don't we ask the decider die if we should do this later or if we should keep going until the the dance company starts their rehearsal? Okay. No. So you didn't answer. Uh, well, I didn't <laughs> ask the question. Uh, let's ask a yes or no question. Should we record our Astro Gallery reading now or do it later? Uh, you mean- should, should, should we record it now? That's the answer. No <laughs> go, go. go for it. it. All righty. <laughs> okay. Do you want to scoot your computer so I can have the casting surface no yeah (laughs) okay um i'll pull up my sheet do you have a specific question um do you want to start i can start too um how's my i'm doing the the play in allen park how's that gonna go okay what's what's what are my success prospects going to be feel good yeah all right Okay, so we have a belly, so, two bellies. So what are the, the, the points again? You got to pull up the chart. I have the chart. I'm okay. telling you what we have. So we have two bellies. Okay, so what numbers are those? Two fours. So four, four. Um, a six. Six. And two chains, which are ones. One, one. Okay, so we have two ones, two fours, and a six. All right, I will look up and see, because it's not totally complete, right? Like, there are more combinations than the 55 on this chart, but let's see. I will just do a control F for four, four, six, one, one. Yeah, I have no idea how they've, like, four, four, one, one, six. Got it. Aries, it's the 16. So, one, six, two fours, and two chains. Why do you hurry? Wait calmly, the moment has not yet come. If you hurry without sense and in vain, you pursue something that is not yet ready. I do not yet see the right moment, but you will have success when you wait a little while. So, like, I mean, we got some time. That was weirdly poignant. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That was so bizarrely poignant. Yeah. Wild. Okay, what else? 
I want to ask about my birthday. Okay, let's My birthday's on Wednesday. Okay. So I want to ask about that. Oh, yeah, this comes out on my birthday. Wait, can we put, like, Elle's birthday episode in the thing? In the description, maybe. I, oh. I dropped a bone. Fate decided what it is. Where is it? I will grab oh, it. I will I grab it. it. Okay. Oh. You flipped it. Oh, no. Ruined. Reroll. <laughs> See, I offered to grab it. I got it. But instead, I I have short arms. I got to watch you struggle. (laughs) And so that was a gift for you. Okay, this is about my birthday. Okay, so we have two bellies. Nope, three bellies and two... Three bellies, two... What are they called? Um, oh, I didn't do the invocation. Four, four. Oh, yeah. Announce your invocation. Two backs. Well, I think I have to do it before. Uh, I guess re- announce your invocation and re-roll. Okay. Yeah, I forgot the. there's a special invocation okay. you have to say. Okay, I forgot. Okay, so the invocation. <clears throat> Apollo, Lord, and Hermes lead the way, and thou who wanders this to thee we say... Be still, enjoy the oracle's excellence, for Phoebus Apollo has given it to us as the art of divination from our ancestors. Okay. Okay. What do we got? Um, so four, four... Four bellies and one S. Right? Four? So no. Tr- triple four? It's called a chain. The curved small side is called the chain. Is this the S or a chain? Uh, so it's the convex one. No, so, no, no. Uh, on the, like, this. This flat side? Yes. Which side is that? That is the chain. Are you sure? Yes, because the chain is concave in the picture. And the S is flat. So it's the S. Yeah. No, it, it's the chain because it's... It's this side. This is this is the flat side. Okay, then that's the S. So triple four into six. Okay, triple four into six. Same. Poseidon. Oh, is it four fours and a six? Yeah, four okay. fours and a six. Poseidon. If all that are cast are fours, but the fifth is a sixth. He announces this. Throwing seeds and writing letters on the sea are both pointless and fruitless doing. Since you are mortal, do not force a god to harm you. Fuck. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> fuck. Threats. Threats. Can I ask what that means? Uh, Can I ask a clarifying? Yeah. But what would that be about? I think it's like, don't presume to know. I think it's a, a, a hubris like an anti-hubris reading. Like, don't presume to be better than the gods. Uh, so four, four, so... Three fours, a six, and a... The three? Three. So three fours, a six, and a three. A six and a three. I think I just saw... Oh, okay, Yeah. Oh, Helios, bringer of light. Three fours, one single six, and the fifth a three. You will achieve whatever you desire, and you will find whatever you worry about. 
<laughs> Make an attempt, stranger, stranger, having taken heart. Everything is ready. You will find what is invisible. You will come to the day of salvation. Fuck. Like, Whoa. what's going to happen on my birthday? Well, these are weirdly poignant. Are they? Yeah. Like, they kind of are, aren't they? You okay. will find everything you want, but also everything you don't want. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. That's fair. Um, okay. I want to ask about my business stuff. I want to ask about my book. Okay. So three, three, four, four, and a, a one, and a one. So two threes, two fours, and a one. Uh, Zeus Savior. Ooh, okay. One chain, two threes, two fours being cast. Approach with courage the business that you set out to do. Do it. You will win, since the gods have given you these favorable signs, and do not avoid them in your intention. Nothing bad will come of it. Yeah! Yeah! Okay, that's good. That makes me feel good. Yeah. All right. I like that. Do you have anything else you no, want to ask about? No. Do we, do we want to ask one of the dance people, because I know them, if they want an Astro Galley reading? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I will go ask. Yeah, it's Zeus. That's It looks like they're busy setting up for something, but uh, really fabulous. Uh, I'm glad that, uh, <laughs> Elle, you got a new thing to put on your Etsy. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely going to use reading. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely save the... Uh, the PDF of the translations yeah. of the Hermes statue. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that there's more than 56 possible combinations of numbers. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I'm bad I don't know. Math. Yeah. I'm, I'm bad at math. Uh, I guess if you encounter one, trust your intuition. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought this was a super fun little reading to do. Yeah, I like that. And there is a version that somebody created that uses Dungeons and Dragons dice mm. that we will use uh, next time. Okay. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. This is for our podcast. We are currently recording. Um, yeah. Uh, welcome to Mancy. Our podcast is about the history of magic and the fucked up shit people did with it. Yeah. And we're talking about Astragalomancy, which is divination with dice these were the dice that existed before the gaming implements we know today they are real bones they're They're sheep bones yeah the the knuckle bones of a sheep and uh you can listen to the episode for the full details but essentially we don't know how old dice are um they they go into prehistory because of these sheep knuckle bones uh but the ancient greeks use them for magic most most cultures that had them use them for magic the ancient greeks wrote down exactly what each role means for you okay so go ahead and uh answer your ask your question into the microphone and then we will roll the bones what are the parameters of the question does it have to be yes no is it it can be i think it can be anything you want it to be Uh um at all i would say so the the translations i guess of like what the dice mean are very like ancient greek like based on the gods okay. and so they're like they can be like a yes or no or they can like offer a little bit more context so whatever you want to ask really into the mic yep. take this off? Probably uh, how should i celebrate the coming of spring oh that's a good one okay are you ready with the I am, I am ready with the chart. All right. Okay, what, so what we, we have get? two backs, so two, two threes. Two threes. One four. Four. Um, and then... A one and a six? A one and a six, yeah. 
Okay. You have to like feel the indents of the bones. Two threes and two fours? Two threes or one four? Um, one four, two threes, a one and a six. That is almost, if we took away one of them, that would be the Venus throw. Yeah. Two threes, two fours, no, two threes, a four, a one, and a six. Mm-hmm. That's that's a lot of numbers to find on this. <laughs> it's like really interesting. So does this come from like a published text by a known Greek author? Or is it more apocryphal? It's literally written on a statue of Hermes. And we like on like an ancient statue. This is like a PDF. Shit, that is so cool. Yeah, and so it has the like. These are what the bones like. What they feel like. Mm-hmm. This is their name. Okay. These are the points that they count for. Okay. Um, and then, like, this is all of the numbers and, like, what they mean. I love that. So that's, yeah, it's really interesting. And the things it says are just really wild. Yeah, so I've used the I Ching before, mm-hmm. like chance procedures with music. Yeah. I'm a little familiar with Ifa from, like, Western Africa, but I've never seen this before. Yeah, it is, I would say, like, on that kind of similar... Um, yeah, like in the like throwing of like natural, yeah, yeah, especially Ifa. Um, do you have Venus throw? Because I feel like this is a Venus throw. I feel like Venus. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I don't think that. I think we finally got a combination that that isn't that listed, isn't on the statue. You're gonna have to re-roll. Well, can you read the Venus row or throw? The Aphrodite. Is that the one that's all four of them? Uh, that That is for Roman gambling um, rather than the ancient Greek divination. Dang it. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think this is a re-roll because it's not, it's not on the chart. Either it wasn't on the statue or they couldn't translate it from the statue. That's weird. Okay, so we have two bellies. So two fours. Nope. Uh, three. Three bellies. Three fours. Um, and two ones. That's Agathos Daimon. Okay. If three if three fours and two ones are cast, a daimon will lead you. A, a diamond is a, a demon or a spirit. Um, <laughs> a, a diamond will lead you on the way that you undertake. And the lover of smiling, Aphrodite, will lead you toward good things. You will return with rich fruit and an untroubled fate. So I would say, um, like, make, like, a really nice, like, fruit salad or, like, a fruit tart or something that's, like, very, like, See, springy that's and that's your interpretation. Fruity. Mine is to do demon shit uh, yeah, right? because a because demon will lead you to a great celebration. Well, but can you make a fruit salad and then offer it to a demon and then get your reward? Because I think that's what you should do. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you for Thank being you. on the show. Thank uh, It's very fun and weird. Yeah, yeah. So Indigo is going to be uh, doing the dance sections of the play we are doing in Allen Park, April 29th to May 1st. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. I, hope that w- I hope that was helpful. Awesome. Thank you got to you. do some ancient Greek magic. Yes. Yeah. Thank That's you. the way to celebrate spring, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Just to go uh, do some demon According to the, to the 3,000 year old statue of Hermes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Very cool. All right. Thank you. Enjoy your yes. rehearsal. Thank you. And in part two, we're going to talk about uh, liar's dice, maritime tradition with dice, uh, stories that involve magic dice, and of course, Dungeons and Dragons. 
Hit us up on Patreon and Elle will do a reading for you on the show using whatever divination method we're covering. If you like my writing, you can find books at rjwalkerpoet.com. If you want to get a reading from me, you can find me on my Etsy at Laurels of Lux, my website, laurelsoflux.com. You can send me an email to laurelsoflux at gmail.com. Shout out to the Ancient Gaming channel on YouTube, where I got a lot of this information. Uh, Definitely give them a follow. Uh, They seemed pretty niche uh, when I watched their (laughs) videos, so they could probably use more followers. Uh, And also, uh, shout out to Jenna Mortensen for compiling the... Uh, Astragali PDF with the translations from that Hermes statue as well as great information about what part of the uh, sheep uh, she has like references and everything. Yeah, I made it really easy. Uh, I think this is somebody's like paper, like (laughs) history history paper or something. But yeah, thanks a bunch Jenna for compiling all of that for us. Um, Music was provided by, in order of appearance, Hayden Fulker. Arthi Vinka, Miyu, and Scott Buckley. <laughs>